0: Hello and welcome to Lord of the Dance Setty podcast. Uh, I'm just really without music, although you may have just heard a little echo of the music being played in the theatre. I'm backstage at Reading at South Street Arts Centre, about to do whatever it is, the 30th or 40th gig of the tour. Uh, still many gigs to come. Uh, and uh, so there won't be many jingles or anything in this particular one. I'm just putting it together while I have a spare hour backstage. i just been eating some pasta and chicken and vegetables that i made at home and have brought with me cold. This is what it's like on tour. Uh, so I'll take you through what's happened in the gigs from last week. I'll tell you which gigs are coming up. I'll give you a story that should, was in the show for a little while and is now no longer in the show uh, about dance. We'll see what else I can come up with in the next hour or so, uh, as well as some little outtakes from... Last week's shows, though not that much, uh, comparatively to the week before, not that much uh, incredible happened. Um, uh, coming up, it's a good week. It makes it seem like this tour is going to be a success this week. Uh, Reading tonight sold out. It is a very small venue. It's been sold out for a long time. Uh, tomorrow I'm in Didcot. That's the 13th of March. You mean. There may be a couple of tickets left for that, but it's more or less sold out. Saturday the 14th, I'm in Winchester again. A couple of dozen tickets left as I speak. If you're in Winchester and you're listening to this, book yourself a ticket, come and see the show. And the Sunday the 15th, I'm in Bristol at the tobacco factory, but that is also sold out. So it sounds like the tour's a success. In fact, I'm doing another gig in Bristol in a couple of months, and that also sold out. Though there is a gig in Clevedon that's been added, uh, I think it's May the 1st, it's sometime in early May. So, Bristol people, if you have missed out so far, don't worry. Uh, I'll give you a little heads up about the tour, uh, the ones that are sold out coming up, Norwich is pretty much sold out, we always ring the venues to see if there are any returns, Older Shot, again a tiny room that I go to often, is sold out, Shoreham on Sea is sold out, St Albans, both Bristol gigs I said, and Sutton, Coalfield sold out, and close to selling out, Didcot tonight or tomorrow night, Newcastle, Leeds, Cambridge, uh, Edinburgh, and I think I don't know about Glasgow, and Glasgow um, it's the comedy festival, so there's quite a lot of competition, and the Glasgow Comedy Festival cleverly put me in direct competition with an actor called Stuart Lee, who I used to do some stuff with years ago. I mean, I'm relishing the challenge because it's, uh, it's a chance for us to find out who, 15, 16 years on, who is the most popular with the crowds. So I'll be looking at the box office receipts with interest. At the moment, I think there's still some tickets from mine left. I'm in quite a small room. Um, there's probably more for Stuart though. That's the, the other thing. So go to slash lotds tour or slash gigs and you can find out if I'm coming to you. Uh, I'll be at the Bloomsbury Theatre recording the DVD of the show. I believe that is on the 15th of May. Uh, again, we've about, so about half the tickets that already, which is great. But if you could, if you want to come see the, the London see it in London. Uh, do come to that, because we'd love to have a f- full show. I'm also on, at the, almost on at the 14th of May at the Bloomsbury. And, of course, I'm doing all 12 shows of my solo shows, including a new one that's as yet untitled at the Leicester Square Theatre in August and September. So you will be able to catch all of the dance City and all my other shows then if you can't make it and you live near to London. But let's crack on with the podcast. Let's imagine a little... Jingle here, and I am the Lord of the say Do you know? Wherever you would be, and I'll do a thing where I fade it in and fade it out because you know I've been enjoying playing around with uh, with that element of the podcast. So as that jingle fades away, let's have a little listen to a story that was in the show. I, I did want to make the show uh, thematically a bit more about dance than it is. It's there's dance in there. There is. I do talk about dance, and I do talk, and I think. I see life as a dance, as the as the song Lord of the Dance does. So that is part. Of it. it is just a load of stupid, dumb stuff that's happened to me. There are. It does kind of link up in lots of ways. But I wanted the freedom in this year's show to not have massive things. But I thought I would punctuate the show with stories about dance. Um, but they were all quite serious. So I was kind of going to talk about. I think I mentioned in the first of these podcasts I was going to talk about going to school disco and being humiliated when my friend said I wasn't able to dance I was going to tell this story about a flamenco dancer I saw which I'm going to tell you in a second um, also possibly talk about the da- dancing with my wife at my wedding uh, there were a few stories and then also the story that is the show about going to Scope and seeing some children dance to Scope school and going to see some children dressed as Christmas trees dancing to Dancing in the Moonlight and um, that one did stay in, but I think they were, they were it said within an hour long show, it became too many poignant bits. There's another bit where I talk about going on to an island, which is mainly kind of poignant rather than funny. So I, I wanted to make sure the show was funny as well. Uh, so I took out some of these stories. So I will read to you this story. Uh, I'll give you the whole thing. That, uh, it's from a Metro column. So I'll give you the whole Metro column. Uh, it was from a year or so ago, um, actually, a couple of years ago. Um, that's terrifying. <laughs> uh, and uh, there's a bit uh, that leads into the story about the dance. I was visiting a friend in hospital, a space-age building that might be designed by Terry Gilliam, all glass and metal with high walkways and strange modern art. To be fair, it was much nicer than most old-fashioned hospitals, and that's what made it feel wrong. It was clean, new and well-organised, and seemed to treat its patients with respect. This is not the British way. This could only happen in a broken, dystopian future. I was waiting in the café in the foyer when I became aware of a piano being played nearby. Famous songs from the 1950s echoed around this cathedral to illness. The juxtaposition of the old tunes and the futuristic building was rather poignant. Who was playing? In the corner was an upright piano and the pianist was a white-haired man in an anorak. His walking stick rested on the corner of the keyboard. He was a professional stander, but my guess was that he was not employed by the NHS. He was just a musician, possibly a patient, who had seen a piano and decided to play. In the solemnity of the hospital, he created his little island of melancholy Joy. he was frail but unbroken. He came to the end of one song and I wanted to clap but it seemed inappropriate, like shouting in a library or farting in a church, and no one else applauded or even seemed to notice. Nevertheless, the pianist selected a different tune and played on. He didn't need applause. The music was his gift and his reward, like a radiator emitting hope in a warehouse of broken dreams. I'm becoming more of the opinion the best art lives and dies in the moment, a laugh, a tear, an orgasm, an old tune played by a man with a walking stick in an unexpected place. While some people might believe that a performer needs to top the charts or fill a stadium with screaming fans to receive validation, in some ways it's even more impressive to create something that's beautiful and anonymous and enjoyed by just a few and certainly more memorable. A few years ago, I drunkenly stumbled into a Spanish restaurant in central London in the early hours of the morning on a quest for more alcohol. My friend and I were practically the only people there. But on a small stage in the middle of the room, a young woman was dancing flamenco. She wasn't put off by the lack of spectators. She held her head high and danced passionately and beautifully with total commitment. It was spellbinding. She may want to marry her just so she could dance like, me, like this for me every night until she was too old to dance and I was too old to watch, but not so old that I couldn't look into those dark eyes, unchanged by the years and remember our youth, when we laughed in the face of our mortality by dancing and drinking and making love. But I didn't act on those desires, I just drank some more beer and then went home alone and never saw her again. But, she taught me a lesson, you need to play the room as if it's full even when it's empty. I'll never forget that dance that only I saw or this pianist that only I noticed. It didn't have similarly romantic fantasies about the hospital pianist, but he reminded me, it's not how many people you reach, it's what effect you have on the ones that encounter you. And the flamenco dancer taught me, you have to perform as if the room's full, even when it's empty. Sometimes you have to dance as if everyone is watching. Imagine a jingle here, I was cold, I was naked, were you there, were you there, fades back in, and here I am back in the room. So I'll take you through the gigs that I've been on uh, on the last week. They've been very nice, it's been a very, very enjoyable touring so far this year, uh, and last as well, but it seems to have really hit its stride in terms of the show, Um, and we're getting really lovely reactions from the audiences. They are sort of varying a little bit in size, but I think I'm getting enough. Uh, to make this all worthwhile. I don't think I'm going to get to the end of the tour and be presented with a bill. Uh, I may not be presented with a massive amount of money, uh, but hopefully enough to pay for my Edinburgh debt so we can move on to the next project. Um, Brighton was the gig that I did in the first run of uh, last week, Thursday last week. Uh, I was at the Comedia, uh, which is now downstairs in the room, which is, uh, if you know the Brighton Comedia, where the comedy clubbers at the weekend I've done that a few times and they've passed I've been upstairs but I think those rooms have been changed into something else Brighton is usually a city I do really well in I do I have done the Brighton Comedy Festival already with this show so that slightly uh, impacts on numbers maybe uh, years back in the 90s I, we played me and Stuart played the Brighton Theatre Royal and over 800 people came to see us so that was a, quite exceptional for Lee and Herring, a lot of our gigs got 50 to 100 people. We didn't usually get massive audiences, but it's one of my favourite gigs I remember ever for, for, uh, for Lee and Herring. Had, Richard Thomas was there and Kevin Eldon came down, Paul Putnam was there, uh, and we did a proper big this morning, Richard Judy, it must have been, so it must have been 98, 99. Uh, and to play to that many people, which is still remains the highest ever audience I've have paid to see just me. I've done charity gigs that are bigger, but usually I don't think I've been the name that's the draw. Um, but uh, the Comedia, there was a couple of hundred people in, which is, again, I think a little bit down unusual, a little bit concerning in a city that I consider to be one of my bankers. Um, the last couple of times I've been in at the Comedia, I've had a run-in with the door staff who are guarding the downstairs back exit, that you're not allowed to exit after 8 o'clock, but you're usually parked outside. So I have exited it anyway uh, because... You know, I've had not very much stuff to take, and I won't, won't make much noise, which is what the problem is about. Um, so I was kind of worried, for, but also looking forward to having a fight again. Um, but they seem to relax that rule, and also you can't park outside the back now anyway, so that's all changed. Uh, in, in the show, it wasn't a it, was a, it was a, well, it was an interesting show. In that, I think the audience were a little bit like, okay, come on, impress me. What's this show going to be like? It wasn't like walking on stage to instant adulation. They wanted to be impressed, but I think over the course of the Two halves of 90 minutes, I um, by the end there was a, a really lovely atmosphere and people were very complimentary at the end. We had no sofa. We did actually have a sofa given to us. Uh, as you may know, the sofa varies in every event because we can't tour with a sofa. It costs more to tour the sofa than either I or my tour manager would probably be being paid. So we'd have to hire a van and have it driven around. So we are, we request that the venue brings in a sofa. And the Comedia had provided a sofa. It was quite an ornate one that I didn't really think they would want me jumping up and down on. It also had a you know wooden, intricate back to it, so I couldn't sit on the back of it, uh, which is partly what it, what it is. It becomes an island halfway through the show. Um, but also, I realised as I stood at it that the, as we were in a comedy club, the lighting rig was very low and the ceiling was very low. And Thankfully, I realised because if I hadn't realised, I may just have found that out during the show as I smashed my head. Against the roof, giving people a nice explosive uh, element to the show. Um, but yeah, I don't think there was anything really even that's worth playing to you from Brighton uh, apart from uh, the little differences that I will play at the end with, with local reference uh, near the end. Uh, after that, we moved on to Crawley, which it felt a little bit like we were. I was part of a rhyming. You know, I've been booked by a poet. It was going Salford and Chorley, Brighton and Crawley. I wondered where we were going next. It was I might try and do a tour that rhymes uh, one of these days, all the way through. Uh, you know, you might as well because as you'll have noticed, if you look at my tour dates, they make no geographical sense. So we might as well make them make uh, some kind of rhyming sense. This was the first gig that I was. I felt a bit tired at the end uh, and during, even, which is quite rare on stage. Uh, As you will know, I think I've had a baby in the last um, month, or my wife really did most of the work on it, Uh, but I've been looking after her, Phoebe, my daughter, and uh, there have been a few nights where sleep has been interrupted, so uh, Crawley, I did feel tired. I felt very glad that I had a tour manager with me, which I wasn't planning to do for some of the gigs, Uh, and I think a few of the gigs I still have to do, probably on my own, Uh, but even so, it was unusual them to get tired, and I think there was, as I started this gig, um, I'll introduce myself. Some latecomers walked in at the same time and across the stage as I was entering, which led to this little amusing incident. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the Lord of the Dance City. It's Richard Herring. send some decoys out. Just so no one's sure if there's a sniper in the audience. three people come in, they might shoot the wrong one. So Thomas bought a pint. Who was that? Was it you? Yeah, I can see the evidence here. Oh, I know you pissed yourself. Which, you know, that's never happened before the show, but, or during it, as far as I know. Uh, A lot of damp seats. Uh, from ex- sexual excitement, though, and as I said that, I looked right into the eyes of a girl who's about 30 years old. So this is a, it's a diras- disastrous start. Disastrous start to the show. Maidenhead was the next gig, another smallish theatre called the Norden Farm. though they have no animals, just a the theatre. It's the worst. It's 15 years old. It's the worst farm I've ever seen. Nothing much happened uh, at this gig either, of any interest. Uh, there were extremely nice staff there, and the lady who ran the venue gave me a pint of beer afterwards, which was extremely nice, and I realised I could drink it because I had a driver, which was very exciting. But what I do have is this recording of before the gig. Uh, I bought a new microphone I was testing it out at this gig, and uh, I set off the recording of the show way too early, so you can actually hear... Well, people often ask you, what is it like backstage? What do you do backstage? Do you get nervous before a show? So I thought I'd just include this to show you that I don't really get noticed for a show and it's quite boring uh, and there's a lot of just walking around waiting for things to start. The other voice you'll hear is my tour manager, Jars the Cannibal, who's called the Cannibal because I feared early on last year that he would eat me during the snow. I've been sitting in my dressing room uh, eating, I think I've made myself something to take to this gig, which is very unusual, uh, playing Adam's Family Pumble. You'll be able to tell that as I start singing the Adam's Family Music as I walk from my dressing room up to the theatre. And there's just a lot. This is quite a boring thing, but I think you'll find it quite amusing. And I've kind of forgotten I was being taped for most of it, so you catch me off guard. Let's see. Backstage. Do 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 oh. I'm here. Did you get numbers? Not yet. Just gonna give you box office for when the um the show shot up. Cool. Are you ready for a brand new Oh yeah. Downstairs looks pretty full. Yeah. But you know, I don't know if that's. Um, sometimes they have them at ticket agencies as well, don't they? It doesn't matter what you wear. Every bar, grab a girl. ...berries. Sitting in the street. And all here is music. What are you looking for? I don't know, I did bring my mic, it was in the, uh, seems to work, is it, it is yeah, this could be on the podcast, <laughs> backstage change, <laughs> it could be, should nothing's been happening this time so maybe we need to do something, need to have a fight backstage, are they going to come round when they're ready? Yeah mm mm I mm. If oh, that would be probably two mics go straight to me. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Talking witch. No no. Tiny dancer. Yeah, if you want to stage of, like, a fight backstage, that's fine. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Don't know how well that could all be in audio. I'll let you win. <laughs> Can tape everything with this I usually forget it's running in the second half so I usually come out and I've got all the cue as well if I, if I could be bothered I was nearly in Colchester. there was a guy there was two guys who were so drunk and they thought oh, I could put that out <laughs> but it didn't the Colchester one didn't really come out because I, I just put the phone on the uh, table I think for the actual gig I think I did pick it up <whistles> come on Alright, so you yeah. two. Haven't got my Metro column written. I was playing Adam's Fanny pinball most of the time. I've written my blog. Oh, got the call. Yeah, I'm going to write about that heckler, but I just haven't, but, had oh, the, right yeah, I haven't had the energy to do it yet. I'll do it tomorrow. We've got a nice long drive tomorrow. Or longer drive. Yeah Internet no access here. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a bit rubbish. Though. Yeah. Me too, I yeah, couldn't make it well. Find out what's going on. See what's going on. <whistles> Show me closer, Tony Danza. gentlemen, please welcome the Lord of the Dance City, it's Richard Herring! I didn't uh, create Alan Partridge, but it's clear that I've become Alan Partridge, mainly whistling bass stuff backstage, and not as perhaps nerve-wracking as you might imagine. I hope you enjoyed that little slice (laughs) of life. Uh, And then I was in Canterbury, and this was on International Women's Day, uh, which is Forms part of the show, of course, if you've seen it, I do a big routine about men tweeting about International Men's Day on International Women's Day, which the year before I'd made a fuss about, and this year I did the same thing, so I spent much of my day at home when I was looking after my daughter, I was occasionally going on my phone and telling men about when International Men's Day was, Um, on the journey I was doing it, and then in the dressing room I was was doing that as well, so it became quite a full-on day. Uh, and we'll talk about later, there's a clip uh, from the beginning of the show where my preoccupation with that makes me forget about what I was meant to be preparing. Uh, but there was a funny bit in the second half of this show when someone left during my Ted Rogers routine just to go to the loo, I think, but after maybe last week's incident, I pretended to make more of it than was strictly necessary. Let's see how it goes. But then, to our ironic and actual delight, the real Dusty Bin wheeled onto stage. It was definitely him. There's only one of them. He was holding our prizes. A lot of people very upset by the Dusty Bin-based material. That's the moment a lot of people choose to walk out of that place. How dare you? It's nothing sacred, Rich. is nothing... It's the He's the one 1980s TV personality. He's never done anything wrong. Yeah, they put that cat in him. That wasn't his fault. <laughs> <laughs> she did return later, and I did. would uh, tell her there would be no dusty bin stuff, so she was of course delighted about. So um, I think that's probably enough stuff, isn't it? With that massive, boring bit of whistling backstage to annoy you in the middle there—that you weren't expecting, and you were sort of sitting, hoping something was going to happen, but then you realise. I was just showing you what my life was really like. It's not all glamour. I'm sitting here in Reading in a tiny little room, waiting to go on. Um, That's one thing I do about. I I see how long I can make a suit last before I really have to get it dry cleaned. And uh, the one I'm wearing, I've been wearing for quite a few shows, and I've been wearing it to the gigs because I've been convinced this would be the last one. So it didn't matter if it got a bit creased up. But I've been doing that for the last two or three, so I'm wearing uh, the same. Suit and I'm wondering when I will stop wearing it, whether that will now last for the next three, at least, before I change to a cleaner suit. Also, this, the shirt I'm wearing tonight, I, bought, I only bought it last year, but there's loads of holes in it. But I, you can't see the holes when I'm wearing my suit. I feel like it's a bit of a risk that my, suit might, my shirt might just fall off me during a show. So that's something to watch out for. If I'm wearing a paisley blue shirt, see if you can spot where the many, many holes are in it. I don't know why they are there. Uh, so we'll crack on now for the final thing we'll do and I might just come and say hello again at the end uh, is just a quick compilation of the local variations I made in the last few gigs I found the one from Exeter that I did mention in the last podcast so I'll put that in for you Um, but this is just a bit where the audience seem unimpressed with something I think is impressive and then I come back at them and let them know why they're unimpressed I give them a sort of unimpressive fact from their area. So this will be from there. Let's have a listen to that. No, nope, not impressing you tonight. That does, not, does, that does not impress us here in Exeter, Richard. We are, we have an Ikea opening here soon. So we are we are not impressed by that. Two kisses in two, 200 years. That is nothing. Plymouth has not got one, but we have got one coming. There, for the people in Plymouth, are saying they might get one. It's, it's not the end of the world for them. They might get one soon, but for the moment, they're going to have to travel uh, to see... <laughs> They're flat No, that does not impress you in Brighton. I years two kisses. That does not impress us in Brighton. Do you not know Rudyard Kipling lived near here for six years? So we are. they are not impressed. Don't you know that John Lennon's dad, Alfred, died in Brighton when he was that? When he died in 1976. So we have got more impressive things here in Brighton than you could ever dream of. Well, no, that doesn't impress you here, Corey. That's not. It takes more than that to impress us in Crawley, Richard. We are—we have a lot to be impressed about. Isn't it? With the first Iguanodon was discovered in Crawley, Richard. So it takes more. Davey Thompson trained in Crawley for the 1980 and 1984 Olympics, both of those in Crawley. So it takes a bit more to impress us than an old woman kissing a child. I'm sorry. No, that does not impress you, maiden. I said that, sir. <laughs> Not impressive to us. What, 200 years ago? No, we're unimpressed. We're from Maidenhead, Richard. In July the 12th, 1901, we had the highest ever 60 minutes of rain. We had 92 millimetres of rain here in Maidenhead. That is more impressive. King Charles I saw his children for the last time in the Nat West on the high street. That is before he was executed. So we have more impressive things here in Maidenhead than you can ever dream of. As you might guess, most of those are created simply by going on Wikipedia, just immediately before the show, and then remembering the fact, the rainfall one was a bit hard to remember, I stumbled a bit on that, but the other ones I kind of had, but in Canterbury I was so busy doing my International Men's Day, International Women's Day service that I completely forgot to check the fact about Canterbury, the city. Which I know a little bit about, but not that much about, and certainly not the kind of detail that would be useless enough. I mean, Thomas Beckett being killed in Canterbury is too good, for example. Um, On the Archbishop of Canterbury being from Canterbury, it's too good. It needs to be something rubbish. You can hear the exact moment I realised I was in trouble uh, in the recording of the show. Here it is backstage. I damn, I forgot to look up anything. Too busy. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the Lord of the Dance. Today it's Richard Herring. Thank you very much. Hello Canterbury. How are you doing? Good to see you. Thanks for coming out on International Women's Day. More of that later. Pink out, specially. That's how much I care, ladies. And <laughs> that doesn't get you into any trouble, does it? Having a pink feminist thing, as the Labour Party have discovered. So, uh... so for the first ten minutes of the show, I was racking my brain as I was saying the script, trying to think of something to come up with for this bit. And then, amazingly, I was multitasking a lot on this day, as it turned out, and uh, I managed to think of something. No, that doesn't impress you here tonight, Coachella. <laughs> Takes more than that to impress us here in Canterbury, Richard. The... Uh... One episode of the last series of The Apprentice was filmed at the Canterbury Tales. So we have, we have more... I mean, just the existence of The Canterbury Tales is impressive enough for, for The Apprentice to briefly turn up there before having to leave because they've left it too late. That is, that is more impressive than your centuries of kissing thing, whatever. I... So there we go. Well, that's half an hour of stuff. I mean, a lot of it was being backstage whistling, but... You know, I just had to show you what it's like being on tour. This is what this podcast is all about. Um, so I'll be back next week with probably a bit more jokes and some stories and stuff. I quite like it when the shows aren't that eventful, I have to say. It makes for a more fun podcast, but I prefer to be able to do the shows as they are. Do watch out for me if you're in the queue afterwards. I might be mic'd up. If you say anything stupid, I might put it in the podcast. Um, and indeed, if you do anything during the show, I probably almost certainly will put it in the podcast. But don't do stuff to get in, because you'll just look stupid. No one's coming out of this well. And if you do come out of well, I won't put it in the podcast. So, think on, idiots. Uh, here's where I am going to be over the next few days. Friday the 13th of March, Didcot, Cornerstone Arts. There may be some tickets left for that. It usually sells out, and it's very close to selling out. Saturday the 14th of March, Winchester Theatre Royal. There are... Couple of dozen tickets left for that. Last time I looked, Sunday the fifteenth of March, Bristol Tobacco Factory is sold out. But you may be able to get uh, returns, so do get in touch with the venue. Tuesday, and then I'm off on my longest run away from home, uh, which will be terrible for me to be away from my tiny daughter and my wife, who I've been away from before, and I'm a bit more used to being away from her. But uh, she doesn't change so much in a week as my daughter does, so that makes uh, the parting quite difficult. Uh, Tuesday, the seventeenth of March, Newcastle Stand, which is selling very well. Wednesday, the eighteenth of March, Edinburgh Stand, which you know, given that I've done so much in Edinburgh and it's a tiny venue, it's still selling okay, but uh, you'd hope it would sell out. Nineteenth of March, the big standoff against Stuart Lee. Don't let Stuart Lee win. Uh, come, to, it may be too late. Come to see me at the Glasgow Stand. Still some tickets. Friday, the twentieth of March, Chesterfield Winding Wheel. I mean, I think it's a theatre, but it might just be. I might just be in a big wheel. Uh, and there are a few tickets for that. Uh, 21st of March, Norwich Playhouse. Pretty sure that's sold out, but you may be able to grab the last couple of tickets. 22nd of March, Birmingham Glee. Uh, then you, this is one of the venues that makes me worried. A few years ago, I was selling that out, and it's a big venue, 400 seats. This year, um, you know, I'll be lucky to get 300 in there. So make me lucky. Come along and help me out. There's uh, Still, we sold a lot of, lot of tickets, but not compared to a few years ago. So... Those are the ones where it's, I can sell a lot of tickets. Those are the ones that make the tours worthwhile financially and help me play a lot of the smaller venues. Anyway, I've got to go and do uh, my reading gig. It's half an hour to curtain, so there's some whistling to be done, and uh, basically just humming and hawing, looking, checking out the audience, seeing how full the venue is. It's tragic, really, the life that I lead. Thanks for listening. Imagine there's some music at the end, uh, and next time I will. I've got a new computer, so I don't have any of those bits and pieces on here. I mean, it, you know, they've literally got them on CD next door. I should be able to do it, but I'm an idiot. I can't. Uh, oh, if you... There's lots some Some of my uh, memorabilia from Leon Herring and the snooker uh, and some new T-shirts and some old T-shirts on eBay. My name is Herring1967. Uh, all that money is going to create... That I make from that is going to help create future internet projects. Richard Herring's Meaning of Life, episode 6 is also going to be up on my YouTube channel, Herring1967. Uh, You can pay for a longer version at gofasterstrike.com slash RHMOL. Uh, You can listen to it on iTunes or the British Comedy Guide for free, the shorter version, Uh, the longer version. uh, You can get all six episodes now are up, and you get... There's nine hours of comedy there for £15 in video and audio, or £6 in audio, so it'd be lovely if you could buy those and help out. Um, But apart from that... That's it for this week. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed that bit, whereas my favourite bit was the backstage bit. <laughs> the tuneless whistling of the middle aged man and his, in his decline with his career waning. Or is it just about to rise? No, it's waning. Bye! Oh, but before I go, they just started playing the music backstage. So I'll play you out by, if you can hear that, I don't know if you can hear it. I'll sing them man, And I did a dance and I got that thing. When the lights fade, I wanna go. Ooh, I wanna dance for somebody. I wanna be the heat. If there are any uh, recording people listening, uh, then do get in touch. Very happy to put a record of this out. You know, I, I don't know if it's legal for me to have done this as far as I have. I want to dance with somebody. Did you like the way I said, uh, hold me closer, Tony Danza in that bit? It was good, One, it? it was my favourite bit. Okay, bye.